listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've tuned in. Republican opposition to Governor Gretchen Whitmer's response to the coronavirus pandemic has reached a new level. GOP leaders in the state legislature are now suing the governor over her order that extends her emergency powers through May 28th. Here to talk about the lawsuit and the continued political fights at the state capitol is Zach Gorchow. He is the executive editor and publisher of the Gongwer Capital News Service in Lansing. Zach, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Uh, so uh, the, before we get started, uh, this is your first appearance on this show since you were promoted to executive editor and publisher of Gongwer. And so I want to take just a second to say congrats on uh, on that uh, promotion. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yes. It's, uh, it's exciting. And the first few months hasn't gone exactly how I would have thought, but it's been exciting. <laughs> this is kind of an auspicious time to be starting a new yeah. a new job. Um, but uh, give us the backdrop of this fight that is going on in Lansing over these emergency orders. Uh, what's the state of politics right now? And can you compare it to anything else you've experienced while while covering the Capitol? Well, no, I can't compare it to anything I've experienced because there's never been a fight over the governor's powers to declare a state of emergency. Uh, not that I've covered, and I don't think that anyone has ever covered. Uh-huh. Um, really, what it gets down to is who is in charge when there's an emergency, and is, is it, does the legislative branch have any role? Uh, formal, official role. That's really what it comes down to. Um, We've got two laws on the books, one that's been used a ton and has been the usual method for declaring an emergency uh, through the years. It's called the Emergency Management Act. It was declared, it was passed and signed into law in 1976. And it's what a governor usually uses when there's some type of an emergency, uh, a flooding, tornado, uh, the Flint water crisis. Uh, these were the acts that were invoked. Or this was the act that was invoked when there was an emergency. Um, but it also has a provision in it that says the emergency lasts only 28 days. And for it to be extended, uh, the governor must get an extension uh, approved by the legislature. Mm-hmm. There's another statute that goes all the way back to 1945 called the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act. And that statute does not have a shot clock, so to speak, on it. An emergency lasts as long as the governor wishes. And there's no role for the legislature to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Governor Whitmer has declared these states of emergency using both statutes. The Emergency Powers of the Governor Act has not been invoked very often. Um, I believe Governor, Governor Romney invoked it after the 1967 uprisings in Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, it may have been invoked uh, one other time before that. But that's what this is over. The the legislature is saying that the 1945 statute, that older statute, makes a mockery of the separation of powers that's in the Michigan Constitution, that it makes a mockery of the Michigan Constitution saying Lawmaking powers are the province of the legislative branch, not the executive branch. Uh, and the governor will counter, no, 
uh, the legislature passed that law in 1945 and the governor signed it. Uh, it delegated authority and emergencies to the governor, and that's what we're going to have a fight over. Yeah. So, so I want to I want to drill down on those statutes a little more. Um, one of the things that jumps out at me in the '76 statute, which amends this '45 law, is is not just the the role that it assigns to the legislature, but the powers it it then goes back and affirms that they sit with the governor. And there is this clause that appears in that law that says there's nothing in it that should be read to abridge or modify the powers that the governor has from this 1945 law. Doesn't that kind of explicitly answer the question that Republicans are asking about what role they are supposed to, to have in all of this? So one quick clarification. The 76 law doesn't amend the 45 law. They are two totally separate statutes. Uh-huh. But you're absolutely right. That 1976 law says exactly that, that nothing in it should be read to abridge the governor's ability to declare a state of emergency under the 1945 law. And we've talked to a number of attorneys who are, I would consider, experts in Michigan law, Michigan Constitution, who, who think the governor has the upper hand here. Mm. Um, now, the, the Republicans are, gonna, are making the argument, they put this in their lawsuit, that the purpose behind the 1945 law was to respond to the 1943 uh, race riot in Detroit, and that there really wasn't a good provision in statute for a governor to declare an emergency to deal with such situations. But the thing is, you look at the law, there's really nothing in there that points to the specifics of, uh, of one situation. Like mm. it, it really, it, it in fact says it's supposed to be broadly construed mm-hmm. um, and it gives the governor wide ranging powers. You know, the legislature is arguing, well, it's supposed to deal with local emergencies because the statute says the governor will declare the area affected, but there's nothing in the law that says the area can't be the entire state. So I, I think, you know, it, it seems the Republicans have a real uphill fight trying to make the case here, but they're going to try. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I want to get you to address is what the substantive tension is here between the legislature and the governor. And I think that's gotten a little bit lost in the political discussion here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Republicans say, look, we want to be in charge or at least share being in charge with the governor. The governor says, no, I've got the power to do this on my own. But the difference in their approaches to this, I think, are actually not as substantive as people might believe. In other words, what the what the Republicans want to do that the governor doesn't want to do probably fits at this point on a cocktail napkin as far as I can tell. I mean, the, the, the governor has said we are moving toward, quote unquote, reopening the uh, economy. We are moving toward relaxing the restrictions that are in place. The, the Republicans seem to want to be more prescriptive about the timeline when things open, but but they aren't actually asking for anything substantively different than what the governor is already doing. Am I am I reading that right? I think you are reading that right. I mean, 
for as much as the Republicans have com- have complained about what the governor's been doing, it really seems to be in many ways over the pace. Now, and in fact, I think you could say that the pressure the Republicans put on on some issues had an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor would deny it, but you can't ignore the fact that virtually everything that the governor has reopened so far uh, were all areas where uh, the Republicans were putting pressure on, like construction and lawn and landscape services, garden centers, and those kinds of things. The governor has agreed to reopen those. Mm-hmm. Those were all things the Republicans pushed for. And it is now, does seem to be over timing. I think House Speaker Lee Chatfield said something yesterday along the lines of, that's great, the governor's talking about reopening, but the time for talk has passed. You know, I, I think it's pretty clear the Republicans believe that that virtually everything outside of uh, Oakland, Macomb, and Wayne counties should be uh, seeing at least some degree of reopening, hmm. um, maybe even depending on the area total reopening. And the governor's just not willing to go there yet. Now, she said she's going to do a regional approach, which was a fairly significant concession. Initially, she was saying things like the virus doesn't respect county lines. Right. Well, now the governor is saying we are going to look at a regional approach, but she hasn't yet said, you know, sort of laid out what other governors have done, which is to sort of put forth a calendar of we anticipate these things will reopen in these areas on these dates subject to changes in uh, COVID-19 data that could necessitate changes Hmm. in the schedule. She has not done that yet, and I think that's what they would like to see. Uh, I'm talking with Zach Gorchow. He's the executive editor and publisher of the Gong War News Service in Lansing. We're talking about the lawsuit that GOP leaders in the legislature have filed uh, against Governor Gretchen Whitmer, challenging her authority over emergency orders here in the state of Michigan during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how you feel about how the governor has handled the pandemic up to this point. Do you think she's right to hold on to her emergency powers through at least May 28th? Or do you worry about separation of powers at the state capitol? Do you think it's time for the legislature to have more say over how the state is responding to the crisis? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and to Twitter and put comments there, and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to the program. Excellent conversation. Thank you. In many ways, the 1945 statute is a restatement of the common law, where the executive always had the authority to declare emergencies, Mm -hmm. but the legislature, I think correctly, incorporated that in the statute law. As Professor McQuaid pointed out in an interview earlier today on NPR, on the DT, the legislature always has the authority to rewrite the statute and redefine the contours of the governor's authority. Mm-hmm. Well, they, uh, my guess is they don't have the votes to override her veto, and yeah. that's why they haven't tried to do it. Um, additionally, I want to congratulate Zach on his new job. In an earlier life, Gondor was the first piece of paper that I read every morning. <laughs> it was you. a necessity in the job that I had in those days. <laughs> and I, uh, 
I, I have missed uh, misreading Ganya now for about 20 years because uh, in, in the jobs that I went into in later life, Ganya did not uh, permit people like me to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't hold it against them. They're wonderful people, yeah. and it's a wonderful uh, Piece of uh, news. Yeah, no, uh, Take care. And, and I appreciate the call. And and you're absolutely right. Those of us who, especially work in media, uh, for forever have uh, had you know real reliance on on Gongwer for knowing what is going on in in Lansing. Uh, Zach, I, I wanted to get you to address some of what Ed is saying here, though, which I think is a really important point. The legislature has the power to define the contour of the governor's emergency powers, but the they would need the governor to sign that bill if they passed it, or they would have to have enough votes to override the governor's veto. And, and I think it's probably quite evident that they don't have either ability right now. Yeah. And, and they've, They've attempted to try to move a bill that would change some of the aspects of the emergency statutes. But, yeah, I mean, the governor has said flat out she'll veto a bill that curbs executive authority. She's Mm -hmm. not going to sign that. So it's and no, they don't you know, they do not have the votes to override. It would take two thirds majorities Mm -hmm. in both houses. That would mean a substantial number of Democrats would have to agree to it. And the Democrats are definitely on the governor's side here. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, Ed, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Vernon in Auburn Hills. Vernon, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. And uh, this is coming from a quarantine resident in Michigan. Hmm. Uh, my thoughts are, uh, if the shoe was on the other foot, and it was Governor Snyder, and uh, if would the Republicans be trying to limit his powers all of a sudden? I think it's just partisan. I think it's because she's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I think it has nothing to do with uh, trying to uh, uh, quarantine people. It's, it, and it's not that she's trying to quarantine people. It's a national quarantine. It's not like she's just limiting. It's just the state of Michigan that's uh, uh, being subject to this. You know, and it's just a lot of it's common sense. You know, we don't want to be walk, wandering around and sneezing in people's faces. And, and I, I think it's, it, it's, so, it's so partisan and it is so wrong. And I'm a lifelong Republican, and I think it's shameful for us just to try to diminish her powers because she's a Democrat. Mm. And I think if the shoe was on the other foot, it would be, it would be a different story. Mm. Vernon, I appreciate the call and and that perspective. Zach Gorchow, we have seen Republicans in very recent years in Lansing argue for very robust powers. Uh, to to sit exclusively in the hands of the governor. Now, they did that through legislation, but they also did it over the will of voters in the case of the emergency manager law, which uh, voters said they wanted to get rid of, and then Republican legislators and the governor went back and reinstituted it uh, d- d- despite that uh, despite that sentiment, which voters expressed. Uh, talk about sort of that flip in, in I guess, ideology that, uh, that they seem to be in, in, indulging or embracing right now? I mean, it, it really is in many ways as simple as that there's no longer a Republican in the governor's office. You know, in general, um, 
you know, Republican legislators are going to be loath to curb the powers of a Republican governor. Now, I will say they did, toward the end of Snyder's tenure, uh, pass a couple things uh, that did slightly limit the governor's powers in some areas, uh, especially environmental regulations um, that Governor Snyder actually did agree to only after a number of changes. But by and large, no, it is very hard to imagine that if, if Governor Snyder were still sitting in the governor's office, that uh, the Republican legislature would be doing what they are doing. Now, of course, we don't know how Snyder would have handled all of this, uh, although he did recently say in an interview, it was a couple of weeks ago, that the health crisis had to be resolved before the economic crisis, which mm-hmm. is very much what uh, Governor Whitmer has been saying. Uh, that said, you know, there's hard to know exactly how he would be proceeding, um, but it, it, I just can't imagine there would be the kind of tumult and opposition um, and criticism that we, you know, that just wouldn't be happening from the Republican side. Uh, would would the Democrats have embraced uh, the same measures uh, from Governor Snyder that Governor Whitmer uh, has imposed? No. Uh, also hard to say. I mean, but in general, Democrats around the country seem to be much more supportive of distancing, masks, shutdowns. Um, so I would guess they would they would be okay with it. Um, maybe not as wholeheartedly supportive as they are with Governor Whitmer in charge, but I think they'd be supportive of it. They seem to be of Governor DeWine doing that in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments and question there. Uh, let's go to Carolyn in Royal Oak. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hey. I, I'm concerned about the up-and-coming uh, summer season and everybody going up north. We want this cleared up before that, and I'm glad that our governor is cautious. That's it. Mm. Uh, Carolyn, I appreciate uh, appreciate the call and the sentiments. I think a lot of people... A lot of people agree with uh, with you about that. Um, let's go to Louise in Livonia. Louise, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey. Uh, my question is, who's going to pay for the legal fees? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, Zach Gorchow, whenever you have a lawsuit, you need lawyers, and, and the state will have to uh, defend Governor Whitmer in, in this case. Uh, who does pay for that? Well, the because, well, the attorney general's office uh, will handle the defense of the governor. So that's not a cost in money, but it is a cost in resources in terms of staff being redirected. But the legislature uh, did go and hire private firm to handle the case for it. So there is definitely a cost there. Um, And that was one of the points of criticism for the Democrats that at a time when, you know, the state is going to be facing just a staggering budget shortfall, uh, you know, the number you know, $3 billion seems to be getting thrown around for just the current fiscal year that you're going to have the, you know, the legislature go and, and spend, you know, X number, you know, X thousand dollars, um, you know, on lit- on litigation that probably is a long shot uh, is something they're, you know, they've opened themselves up to some criticism on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's quickly go to Mike in Chesterfield. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi there. How's it going, Stephen? Good. How are you? Good. I uh, just wanted to say that I think the main problem that you face with our current dilemma in state government is the fact that we look at the last several years and the constant failures by both legislatures and the governor, both 
previous governor and the current governor in their promises, in what they say, in uh, how they coordinate themselves with the, the other branches. And we just find that the citizens have practically no trust left in state government. So how can we accept them with the current crisis and their handling of it, no matter which side you're on, no matter which hyperpartisan side you're on, because in the end, you've got a situation where it's like the boy who cried wolf. We've we've constantly dealt with lies and corruption for so long that anything the state government says or does will not be taken seriously. Hmm. Mike, that's a great great point. Zach Gorchow, do, do, do Republicans worry, I guess, about trust? Uh, and, and does the governor worry about trust at a time at a time like this when you're making such critical decisions and, and when really the stakes are literally life and death? You know, I don't know that that's really foremost on their mind. I'm not saying they don't care, but, you know, the governor's mantra has been, you know, and has been, we're going to do, you know, you know, she says she's in the business of saving lives. So her mantra seems to be, I'm willing to talk to leaders of the legislature. And she has mm-hmm. about their ideas, their thoughts and concerns, sort of a, um, a conversation. But in terms of the actual decision making, you know, she and her team are in charge. Now, she would say, I did make some changes to, you know, my orders upon legislative feedback, for example, removing the misdemeanor penalty if people congregate in churches uh, would be an example that she has cited, um, that she made a change based on legislative feedback. Um, You know, from the Republican side, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of trust at all. In fact, I'd say there's very little between the governor, the House Speaker, and the Senate Majority Leader, especially the governor and the Senate Majority Leader. That's a very toxic relationship for a lot of reasons we don't have time to to get into here (laughs) um but yeah that's about what i can say on the trust front okay no no i i I appreciate that Uh, and i appreciate you being here with us zach gorchow executive editor and publisher of gongor thanks for coming by thank you Stephen. yeah all right that's gonna do it for me today i'll be back tomorrow hope you will too this is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.